Well, last week was all about NVIDIA. And this week, it's all about Bitcoin and the crypto scene, with TradFi markets lacking a pulse. We've seen traders really gravitating towards markets with more extreme movement. Now, we look ahead towards March and we ask whether the landmines that we see above us will see greater volatility coming through in equity markets, in rates and FX markets as well. We also look at trades around gold and crude and FX markets. It's time to get in front of the screen. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris Weston, head of research here at Pepstone, and I'm going to be joined by two, in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. There's a bit to discuss. I know the markets are lacking a bit of a pulse across sort of more tra traditional markets, FX markets, equity markets and rates. But we are seeing movements, and I think the, the tides of change are potentially upon us as we go into what's going to be a massive massive month of, of, of event deluge coming through in the month of March. So, Mr. Blake Morrow, I'm going to bring you into the programme. I'm going to go over these factors of March in a second, but how are you reading the markets at the moment? Pretty quiet, or are you getting excited about potential movement? How are you adapting to this low vol environment? Well, uh, it is very low vol. Um, we are just nudged right up here against the highs. I am a little, uh, I am, I'm thinking that tomorrow's uh, PCE is going to be a market mover. And I think we have a couple of setups that would reflect that. And I think that the market is looking like we're going to explode in volatility soon. But, I, but I've been thinking that really the last couple of weeks. So I know we're all <laughs> hoping. I, I'm, I pray nightly. It, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with one of our traders. He's like, you know, we are a six through the 2024 already, you know, and uh, it's been nothing thus far. But, but, 2024, there's a lot left in it, Chris. There is. Well, I'll tell, I tell you one thing that, that just completely epitomizes the fact it's low vol. We're going to be talking about the government shutdown today. <laughs> I think that really just sort of epitomizes everything then. But you know what? I, I, I do think, you know, in these times when people want move, obviously the movement is really reliant on your strategy. If you're a fund and you want income, you're going to, you know, you quite like these times where you're getting low vol because. You know, you just go and get paid and you go into carry um, or relative value trades. There are ways to adapt, of course. But, you know, for, for, for someone who, who trades really short term, I like a bit of range expansion. I like volatility like the next person. So we hope that happens. But you've got to adapt. We can only trade what's in front of us. Right. Well, that's all we can do. And, and we, we, the so market that's it. You can't you can't pick and choose the markets. And I, I've, I learned a long time ago from uh, my mentors that. You have to be around during the bad times or the low volatility times to be around for the good times too. So it was that Jim you, you Jim Simmons. Uh no. <laughs> but but it's a true statement, right? I mean, you 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 have to be around. You might be you might be doing underwater basket weaving, waiting for the market to move, but you got to be you gotta wait. And when it moves, you gotta be able to pounce. That's right. I mean, we saw last night just Everyone just gravitating into crypto. We can talk about it in a second, but our volumes in crypto, certainly in Bitcoin, are about eleven times what we'd usually see. So obviously, people want movement. They're seeing that in the in the crypto space. So yeah, obviously, we'll see if that continues. But I'd like to see FX uh, vols pick up a little bit. These things don't happen overnight. But let's go into the show now and actually let's have a look at what's going to cause that. Let's go to topical thunder. Let's bring up crypto. Um, it's been it's been a wild ride. I mean, 
you know, you can go into some of the altcoins which are having some big moves. I mean, um, you know, Doge is now sort of ripping and, and some of the other markets are, are doing pretty well. But of course, it's Bitcoin, which gets the sort of lion's share of the attention. You can talk about the over $6 billion that have gone into the nine or 10, well, the nine ETFs, I think Grayscale Trust has had outflows. But, you know, there's been massive volume going through there. Everyone's getting excited about um, an Ethereum uh, cash ETF. It's a question of when, not if. Um, people are talking about the halving that comes up in April, all these sort of factors. And then you've also got, interestingly, a, a very strong very very high correlation uh, coefficient with with bitcoin and actually sort of junk equities you know most short baskets they're sort of 93% correlated with bitcoin so maybe it's just a, a high beta play as well but i do think there's idiosyncratic issues which i'll just mention there as well and of course it's a momentum beast i know the options market is small fry but if you look at the upside it's really been all upside call buying and as price moves up through the strikes you know dealers have had to hedge their their exposures because um, they've sold the calls and effectively that meant buying the underlying as well so it's just been a, a big momentum shift as well but you know i think overnight uh, blake we've just seen some some incredible volatility i think bitcoin traded a 5,300 point drawdown at one stage. Um, the elastic band had been pulled up. Um, some of those uh, some of those leveraged longs got liquidated. But yeah, I still think it goes high. I think we I think we test the all time highs. Um, I want to see a little bit more of a retracement just to get some of that froth out of the market. And I look to rebuy. But nothing's really changed here. How, how are you trading it at the moment? If at all. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not trading it. I'm just watching it jaw dropped and uh, and and watching the whole move unf- unfold. Although um, you said something interesting, you said uh, even Dogecoin was up, ripping. Well, comp- you know, that, I, that, I learned a long time ago. Just, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, I, I learned a long time ago when 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 the poop floats, it's usually about you're about done at least near term with with whatever moves you're seeing. And I would call I would call Doge poop. All right, so uh, I'm just gonna... I don't have Bitcoiners though. If you if you call Bitcoin I... poop, you're going to wake no, up. With no, no, I a don't. And, I, and I actually am quite <laughs> bullish, and I agree with you. I think that Bitcoin's eventually going to all time highs. A couple levels that were hit today: Ethereum from all time highs to I think was it 2022 lows. We just hit the 618. We rejected it. We 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 traded past it today, but we closed well below it. Um, Bitcoin stopped at the 88 percent retracement of the all time highs to the. Uh, to the to the to the 2022 lows, which stopped you know stopped us around 64,000. I think that's going to cap uh, Bitcoin near term. Now, do I think that they're shorts? No. Uh-uh. But what I would be looking for is I'd be looking for strategic levels to be on the long side. I think now that we've gotten that first surge out of the way, it looked very impulsive. If you talk from an Elliott Wave standpoint, impulsive moves are usually directional. So. And they're ones that you have to respect. So this big move that we've seen in crypto, I'd be looking to buy pullbacks. You know, let's see how let's see how Bitcoin reacts on, on any dip if we get lucky to fifty three thousand. And I think that's going to be the tell. I think that's a low. I mean, obviously you've got. I mean, it's just been good news after good news after good news. We saw MicroStrategy coming out and averaging. Uh, yeah, I think their average price uh, they got three thousand coins or so over the month. And again, that's just it's just a consistency of good news. I think one of the, the the hard things for holding has always been the regulatory environment. I think people are saying that the regulatory environment's a lot a lot safer now to be holding crypto um, from a sort of a news perspective. And saying the two biggest risks to holding crypto for a big drawdown was either profit taking in itself. Or some sort of macro event, like we were to see, you know, a spike up in real rates that caused equity markets to draw down. And, and if we were to see a proper, you know, drawdown and, and a VIX spike, then then perhaps crypto as a high beta asset would un- come under pressure as well. So they're probably the two big risks. And, and 
prior to that, it was always you know, regulatory risk was the big issue. And I think people are seeing that dissipating. So that, that's been another trigger. But it's been good news after good news. And, and you know, Bitcoin and crypto feeds off sentiment. So, yeah, I think I think buying dips remains still, still the, the, the right trade there for me. I, you know, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. So uh, let's turn up to let's go to the next uh, topic. And I want to talk about Japan and I want to bring up a chart. I'm going to have the producers bring up this chart of this two year yield in Japan. And um, what you're going to notice when you're looking at this chart is that we're touching levels that we have not seen some, since October 30th of 2023. And this is and, and if you don't know what happened in October, uh, that was when the BOJ met and, and there was a big meeting and there was expectations that, that the, that the BOJ might move then. And look where two year yields are at right now. There's a lot of uh, talk that yields have gotten up to levels. We haven't seen since 2011, I believe is the number. 17. Yeah. It's, 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 it's gone up quite dramatically. And so, you know, this is following this week where, where CPI uh, Japan CPI came in slightly above consensus expectations so, you know, I'm wondering if this is the market preparing for a potential shift from the BOJ. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about some of the, the risks that we're going to be looking ahead to. But I think that is, and I'm just going to name it right now. Sorry, don't mean to step on your next segment. But I think that's one of the risks right now as we step into uh, March is a BOJ risk. But are you reading an, into any of these higher yield moves in, in Japan in the, you know, and, and we are seeing higher yields, obviously, in the U.S. as well. But how are you reading this, Chris? Well, I think it's, it's an interesting point. Um, the, the move at the front end is something that, that, that's more controlled by the market. You know, they're, 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 they control. I know YCC is kind of all but dead in the water. But, you know, I think that the market has, has that the price discovery in the front end of the Japanese, the JGB curve is, is there. And, you know, you have seen that move, as the chart shows. You've gone from around effectively 0% to, to 17 basis points. Um, we won't work that on percentage basis because it doesn't work like that. But, you know, that has been that has been a reflection that people are preparing for changes in Japan. And I think the key date that you need to have, I mean, you, you, you point out the CPI number, that was hotter than expected. But the key date now that every, you know, any kind of BOJ, uh, any BOJ watcher, anyone who's got a yen exposure, Nikkei exposure, is the 15th of, um, of March. That's when we're going to see the wage negotiations coming through. We're expecting, you know, wages to sort of be up about 4%, base, base salaries about 2.5%. Um, but the Bank of Japan have made it very clear that they're going to change wage, uh, that they're waiting for these spring negotiations and the, and, the, and, and the numbers before they change. So if those numbers are hotter, then there is a possibility that we could see a removal of zero interest rate policy and, and effectively their interest rate going to zero from, from negative 10 basis points. And that could happen on the 19th of, uh, of March when the Bank of Japan meeting. Whether that sends any kind of ramifications through the yen, I don't know. Um, it doesn't suggest they're going to... There's a difference, Blake, isn't there, between you know, actually just moving out of zero interest rates and, and tweaking what's already the, the, the YCC programme that the market doesn't really give much concern, or actually going on a rate-hiking cycle. If they were to go on a rate-hiking cycle, then the yen is a screaming buy, an absolute screaming buy. It's cheap, but there's... The market's just saying probably, you know, if anything, we're just going to get them going out of negative interest rates, which is symbolic and has some gesture. But they're not. It, it, there's a big world difference between them going moving out of ZERP and effectively going on a hiking cycle. Right. 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 That's exactly right. And and so I think you point out a great date, March 15th, wage negotiations and 
what does the BOJ do just days following that? And I think the markets get on the cusp of just kind of pushing the envelope here. But just so. one quick one, because what's really important for us as FX traders and traders more general is positioning, right? And if you look at the, the market, the market has been has been just been piling into yen shorts because of they wanted to fund you know, the positions through carry. And obviously we've seen dollar yen up into 150, you know, Kiwi yen into into highs. So the yen crosses have been so uh, have, have rallied hard. So the market's obviously very short. So the question is, is even though it's symbolic that we potentially could either in the March meeting or probably the April meeting as well, one of the two, it's going to happen in one of those two, depending on what happens to the wages. Could the short positioning readjust and cause a significant move in the yen just because of a positioning shift? Because the world is is very short of yen. I mean, that's that's an interesting point in itself. I believe. I believe so too. Yeah, so positioning in all, yeah, obviously pays into our risk reward. But let's go into that March risk because, yeah, we we, we can talk about realised and and implied volatility in the FX markets uh, effectively at two year lows, regarding of the tenor that you're looking for weekly falls or one week, one month or whatever. Um, you got the VIX at thirteen percent, just about thirteen percent. Bond volatility is very low. I mean, look, crypto volatility is actually quite low. You know, I know it's going on a rip-rolling trend, but the actual close-to-close percentage changes have actually been very rarely above 4%. So actually, there's not statistically very high volatility in, in, in crypto at the moment, in Bitcoin anyway. But let's go into what we're seeing. 4th of March, Blake, I'm looking at the Swiss CPI. This is for, for an effects because I... If that's weak, it does open the door to a Swiss rate cut in the, in the, in the March meeting. And I know a lot of traders are just waiting to short the absolute bejesus out of the Swiss franc if we get a, Swiss, a weak Swiss one. So that's for me as a currency trader. I know you. We want to. I want to sell the, the Swiss franc. We just need to see a weak CPI number, and then what we're going to see is the Swiss National Bank leading the charge of rate cuts coming through. I know we've been talked about the Canadians at one stage, the ECB, but if we get a weak CPI number, that's going to be a big one. Well, on the fifth, the day after, we've got the. The People's Congress coming out of, of of China, where they're going to be coming out of their you know, definitive targets, and I think that's going to be very, very important for China watchers. Any China market, and I think any China proxy is going to be watching that one on the fifth. Um, you've got Powell speaking on the seventh. You've got non-farm payrolls on the eighth. You've got the CPI number on the eleventh or twelfth. Uh, we talked yeah. about yeah twelfth. We've got the Bank of Japan, uh, the, the, the wage negotiations in Japan on the fifteenth. Nvidia, you got their GTC conference when they're going to come out of their product suite on the on the 18th to 21st. No more important stock in the world, and the market's going to be looking at that very closely. You've got Bank of Japan on the 19th, and they've got the Fed later on as well. So look, they're, they're, I'm looking at that CPI number in the US. I think that's going to be important. But I've talked about some other factors there. Which one of those uh, you think could cause volatility, if at all? Uh, you missed one, Chris. Go on, um, tell me. Shit. No, Nigerian budget budget comes out. I'm joking. It. Well, actually, I, I, I actually saw that the, the Chinese piano sales are down at like five-year lows or something. Maybe that's one of the reasons. Oh my god, that's crazy! That, that's, <laughs> a, that, that's almost as bad as as doing uh, the um, uh, New Zealand visitor arrivals. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, you know, so you 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 named off a lot of the risks. I think other risks are uh, UK political risks. I know our colleagues over on the UK trade-off have been uh, discussing that and discussing the, the uh, maybe the prime minister shuffle that we might get uh, coming up. I think that's a big one. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about a potential US government shutdown, but I'm going to hold my comments there because we're going to talk about that here in the next topic. We've got Super um, Tuesday as well, but we, I think we pretty much know who's going to be, uh, you know, 
uh, the, the the you know the running running for president in in both cases. I mean, it's pretty much done, isn't it? So yeah, and that 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 is that is uh, that is going to be uh, Mar- March fifth. March fifth is Super Tuesday, which is next week. Uh, and then we we also have. I think you mentioned retail sales. We have retail sales, U.S. retail retail sales of the fourteenth CPI and, and and jobs obviously next next Friday. So a lot of key components, and I think March sets up for being you know. Oh God, I don't want to use the basketball terminology, but I can say it. March Madness. It's going to be you Ides know, of March. We, the Ides of March Madness, maybe. But you I've, just clump it all together. I think you've got you've got you've made some points about the UK, but for me, you know, after the after the, the high CPI number, we're saying this before the PC number comes out. Obviously, if that's hot, that sets us up. But if that CPI number comes out like 40 basis points again on core month for month, then you know, this idea that the, the January numbers, you know, were seasonal, idiosyncratic. We get two in a row. It's not a trend, but I think that really puts the market on edge to say, hang on a sec, these three rate cuts that are priced in by the end of the year, maybe they don't deserve to be that. I think the market, I've said this before, the market is happy to see rate cuts coming out of the market as long as it's driven by better growth. If rate cuts are coming out because of the right tail risk, because of inflation concerns, I don't think the market can ha- hold these levels at the moment if, if, if that's the case. Great point, Chris. Uh, really great points to, to drive home there. And, uh, and you know, the higher for longer might mean higher for a lot longer. And, um, you know, so that, that's something that we should be thinking about. All right, let's talk about my favorite subject. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when the market goes into a lull at all-time highs. We have to talk about U.S. government shutdowns. Um, now, are, are we at a risk? Well, first of all, let, let me let me take a step back. We are at a bit of a risk. So we have uh, we have um, uh, U.S. House Speaker Johnson. He's working to 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 try to prevent a shutdown. Um, but if we have a shutdown at the end of this week on the first, uh, th- that's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world at all, um, because it's only going to be a partial shutdown. The market's going to sh- shut, you know schluff it off and 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 realize that something's going to get done ahead of the next Friday which will be the 8th. Now that isn't even the end of the world in my opinion either, but for us that like to trade on data, that's when it starts to matter because if we don't have a we don't have a deal by the 8th which will be the following Friday, then we start receiving we we won't get that CPI data. We won't get the CPI and all that stuff that we just talked about. I mean, all this stuff that could, be, that could be a volatility driver, we don't get, right? So, yeah. yeah. And, and so that's where it becomes look, frustrating. We are, and, and I know I've said this, and we've talked about it, you and I, we, we've talked about it here on this show multiple times over the last several months. This year is going to be a political uh, tornado event, uh, you know, you know, weathering event that we're going to have to weather as, as a whole. Going through these, 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 negotiations and trying to get both sides to line up and agree on things is going to be increasingly difficult in this environment where we have two, you know, two sides that are so far to the left. Or right. I, can't, I can't tell you how many Americans I talk to that are so much in the middle and they just don't want to vote, you know, and they just don't want to be on one side or the other. Just they, they don't to find some sort of moderation, but that's how polarizing it is. So, as as we go into like government shutdowns and negotiations, that becomes a tail risk in itself because I think the markets are underpricing 
the fact that things might not go as well as they've always gone. So anyway, Chris, that's how I'm looking at the government shutdown. I'm not too worried about it yet, but that's why we talk about it on Topical Thunder now yeah. because yeah. it might be an issue coming up. What are your thoughts? Look, yeah. like, I, I think, yeah, Speaker Johnson probably gets a deal away. Um, it just... it. It, they'll just keep coming out with these extensions, these you know these spending bills that that get pushed through temporarily, and then we readdress it. I mean, this is I think it's the third time that we've we've we've, we've gone through this situation, and the market's just over it. They just don't really care, to be honest. But maybe this time is the time when uh, you know Johnson can't get um, you know, bipartisan agreement short term to to get something done. But you're right. I mean, if 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 we go past this, we get a partial shutdown. Doesn't really it doesn't do anything. If we go past that 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 ape, then yeah, we don't get the CPI print. Um, we will. I think we'll get the payrolls number, but we won't. We might not get the CPI number, and that that and the PPI number. So that's a, that's a worry because I'd like to. Obviously, we want to see that, and it'd be frustrating to get that later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, if once we get the full shutdown, then then of course you know it does it it does start shaving off growth in the short term, but then that growth will be given back at some stage. But yeah, like any of this stuff, if we get into a worst case scenario, there's a natural handbrake in, in in government shutdowns because you just can't not pay the military, active servicemen for a period of time. There's people you just can't pay for a period of time without it actually backfiring significantly and, and, and causing outrage. So there is a natural handbrake on how long it can go on for. But yeah, like I think every week that it goes on, we'll shave a little bit of off growth, but then it will give back in the future. But yeah, I think the, the worst this is for me is that we don't get that data, which could cause... Um, yeah, volatility, and that and that just becomes frustrating because we want it right here, right now. We need to know, and we can price risk at, at, at much more efficiently in that situation. So, yeah, I think it's going to start coming on people's radar. But obviously, um, I don't. It's not going to. It's not a massive landmine for me, but it it could cause some frustrations in the data releases. That's why I say it. Anyway, let's go to that's a setup. <laughs> I want to bring up the VIX index. Uh, yeah. Not yeah, baby. Not because I want to do technical analysis on it, because if you do that, you get chastised, oh. taken out the back. Um, no, I've just drawn the average here because, you know, that. Um, yeah, just to give you a reference point of you know, how things have gone over. Obviously, that was skewed towards that big spike that we saw in October, November. But um, that we have come off a little bit off the lows. And I think it's interesting um, that the sort of if you look at the VIX and you can actually use the VIX, um, to work out the expected move over a period of time. And a VIX at 13.8% gives you an implied move in the S&P over a week period of, of 2%. Uh, their daily moves of about 0.8 of a percent. You can, there's some funky calculations you can do, which I can put into the, into the comments section if you're interested in, in working out. The VIX basically tells you the expected movement in, uh, over a period of time. Um, but yeah, so the market's implying at the moment that we're going to see the S&P up and down 0.9, of 1% every day. I'm not sure if we're getting that situation, 2% over the week. Um, but what we're also seeing, Blake, is is a little bit now of, of hedging coming back in. If you look at S&P one month uh, put uh, implied volatility um, and subtract call volatility against that, it's been at very low levels, showing that traders have rolled off hedges. That's pushed up a little bit now. Um, the question is, as we go into March, will we see the VIX push up into, say, into that average around 15%, which I think is so important. If the VIX is going up, realise volatility is going up, you know, you see a lot of these volatility dynamic funds taking cash out of the market and, and that, that will cause higher volatility in itself. So a little bit, 
you know, of, of high vol that we're seeing there. But, you know, do you think that we see the VIX into 15% as we go into March? How would you position there? I do. I, I actually think that the volatility, as you point out right here in this chart, very, very um, easily shows exactly what the risks are, that right now volatility should be trading down towards a 12 handle. And it's not. So um, I do think that with all of these, you know, potential, uh, like you like to call it, using your your terms, landmines that we have in the month of March, I, I do think that the risks are for a, a spike higher in volatility. Now, let me just also be clear. I don't really get worried about volatility unless we get a sustained break above like 16, 18. Then I start to really think, oh crap, you know, what, what am I doing here? And, 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 you know, how do I protect myself right now? VIX is at historically low levels, but I do think the risks are for a potential spike higher. And so, you know, for, for you VIX volatility call buyers, that might be a nice trade setup. And that's why it's on, that's a trade. That's a setup. Exactly. But I think people buy a lot of funds buy, buy calls in the VIX over buying puts in the S&P because the convexity that, that you get from that. So you actually get a better move. So if you want to like hedge your portfolio or look for outlier positions, then then you buy calls in, in the VIX effectively and you get a bigger move. The, the problem of just going and buying it outright as a generic trade is that everyone wants to sell volatility because you've got the Fed put in the market at the moment. You know, why, why buy volatility on a sustained basis when, you know, if there's any kind of shit that happens in the market, the Fed's just going to sort it out, adding liquidity or cutting rates. You know, you've got a big Fed put in the market. So... Yeah, buying the VIX for a 40%, 80 you know, plus move is, is is tough to do. So, yeah, good to trade. Um, but, yeah, I think people are, you know, funds will be buying calls in, in the VIX over buying puts. And that's why you're not seeing much in, in the way of like downside protection in the S&P at the moment. That's right. All right. Well, good, good great, great setup, Chris. I, I actually really like that one. All right. So the my first setup is actually going to be gold. We we hear your cries here at at the trade off, and uh, and we we know that you guys and gals love to trade gold, and especially with all the all the all the attention being on Bitcoin. I didn't want to leave you guys and gals out. So uh, I wanted to bring up this nice little pivot at a six one eight retracement. We're, we're we've been hugging literally the fifty DMA. You can see it right there. That orange. A squiggly line that we're just sitting on. We've been hugging that for the last few days. Well, guess what's tomorrow? Tomorrow's the biggest data of the week. It's the PCE data. Now, I personally, and I'm just going to say my my personal opinion is the the data is going to read come in a little hot, hotter than the market really wants, and that should bring in a lower gold price. That means gold should probably slide back down towards the 2,000 level. But if I'm wrong. And gold trades above, let's just say 2045. We trade above a channel resistance. We should be challenging that 2075, 2080, you know, the, that previous triple top. But I think we can make our way up there. I think this is a beautiful pivot to trade. It's a great setup in either direction because I have my opinions, as we all do, like we all have belly buttons. I have an opinion, like a belly button. And, uh, and and I'm going to voice it, which I think the dollar is going to go higher and gold's going to go lower. But that doesn't make me right. And I think that this gold market sets up for either direction. Chris, what are your thoughts on gold here? I mean, I, I think if you're a gold bull um, and as traders, we just trade what's in front of us. Is like, I mean, you've got to be infused at the, the, the uh, how it's held up with, with known ETFs coming out of the market with real rates pushing into 2%, with rates pricing out to to effectively go from seven rate cuts to, to be on the equilibrium with the Fed's dot plot projections at three, three and a half. 
Um, and it's held in really well. So you've got to be infused by that situation. I think probably the lack of movement in the US dollar has probably been quite helpful there as well. Um, but you could easily make an argument for gold being 50 bucks, maybe 100 bucks lower than where it is at the moment. Um, but it's held in well. So that's that's positive. Um, look, I do think I think the the, C, the, 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 the core PCE number tonight is your playbook. Um, the market there is, is kind of on the, the medium consensus is 0.4 of a percent, which is a hot number. A year ago, we'd be probably talking about rate hikes in that in that in that regime. Um, but yeah, I think if you were to get anything above uh, 40 basis points, well, let's let's take it to a two decimal point. Let's say anything above 0.45 percent, gold price gets hit. You know, dollar rallies. Yeah, we start. Um, we probably get down to three rate cuts from three and a half uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, real rates push up a little bit there. So I think that the gold price would not like that. But I think anything getting towards 0.3 of a percent on core and we look at super core, yeah, given where pricing is, given um, yeah, dollar positioning, I think you probably see gold have a bit of a rally toss the test at the top end of that that that, that upper band, um, that, that channel there. So that's probably the playbook I'd be looking at. And then we go into March, obviously. So, yeah, I think you probably... I would actually argue that gold has a bigger rally on a downside surprise on CPI, uh, PCE, than, it, than than the sell-off that it would have if we saw an upside surprise in core PCE. Would you disagree with that? I concur. I concur with that. Right. Yes, I, I agree how- with that. I, I, and, I, and I also have to concur that gold has held up very well. You look at silver, silver looks just grinding lower. It looks ugly, but gold... It's held up really well despite everything you just threw at it. At I it. think for now, though, ahead of that data point, the question is: is do I take do I take exposures off over the data point? Perhaps right, going into that, just take it into a you know a thirty minute, fifteen minute chart and just trade a tight range. It's just going to do this right up until that point, and you can literally just scout the the highs and lows intraday. I think that's that's the way. So a lot of people will be watching the show. It would have happened, but for me right now, you know, take it into a, a short term time frame. Just because it's just going to do that. It's just going to mean revert and trade a choppy sideways train into that. And I think that's how I'd be looking at it. Anyway, let's go to Spot Crude. We've got that one. An interesting one, Blake, because I think you brought this up last week. And I just want to sort of, um, it's one that, yeah, I've had a couple of clients reach out and say, you know, what, where does gold, uh, crude become problematic? Now, we're trading in a, in a, in a, in a channel. Um, I could also say that's quite an extended flag, but um, we've got an inverted head and shoulders pattern. We're testing the top end of that. We've got uh, horizontal resistance levels uh, coming into 80 bucks or so. Um, it's just holding up and consolidating. It's just banging against that ceiling at the moment. If it breaks on a closing basis, yeah, I think we, we, we could probably be pushing 82 as the first stop, perhaps over time getting into 90 bucks. If it breaks that on a convincing basis, it could trend um, we're not seeing signs of that at the moment. It's just it is consolidating, um, and it delicately poised. Now I don't think crude becomes a real big problem until we get in above ninety five bucks, perhaps for a hundred and, and and holds there for a while because we're not seeing long term inflation expectations moving up. We are seeing one year break even rates moving up, but long term inflation expectations are still pretty pretty subdued. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about the move with crude and the influence it has on headline inflation, but. How are you trading this one technically? I know you 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 you're you're pretty consistent with your idea that you don't you're a bad trader, but you're a good caller of crude. But how do you <laughs> how do you see this one? Well, first of all, you said a magic number that's already in my head, which is eighty two. Eighty two would be a range expansion from seventy nine. Uh, if if we broke seventy nine on a closing basis, which is that descending trend line, eighty bucks is a big deal, obviously on a psych- psychological level, taking us up towards your channel resistance that I think you have very well drawn. 
Um, I think, you know, 82 is totally logical. Now, one of um, the friend of the trade-off, uh, friend of the show, her name's Tracy Shukart. I, I actually met with her this last week and I talked to her and she she actually thinks crude's going to be range bound this year. But 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 I don't agree with her. And I actually think that your your analysis is more succinct where we could see a move towards the mid 80s, towards 90. I don't think the market's prepared for it. And I don't and and everybody believes that that crew's going to be subdued because of OPEC and because of uh, it's an election year. Um, somehow uh, the magic hand is going to keep prices lower or subdued. I think the risk, as we pointed out the last couple of weeks, this is the Achilles heel of uh, central banks. If we start to see crude rallying above 90 bucks and we get towards 100. I, I mean, I, I, Tracy's, you know? Tracy's an expert in this world and and, and you and I yes. are not fundamental experts in, 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 in the crude complex. But to get us into 90 bucks, other than a geopolitical issue, um, it's, it's hard to see demand. I mean, China's demand's falling. It's hard to see a fundamental reason other than a geopolitical issue and, and a supply issue that, that, that causes a move up into those levels, right? So we could, obviously, as technical analysts, we're not trying to forecast stuff. We're not trying to prophesize. We just react and, and trade the tape that was in front of us. But to get into 90 bucks, I mean, how it's difficult to paint a picture of from a, from a demand side to get up into those levels, right? You're right. It'd have to be some geopolitical risks that emerge but which which were the uh, uh, the, the world is full of those uh those risks right at this moment so who knows who knows a lot of times the market goes and it starts to move towards somewhere and you're like how did that happen and you're like oh that happened how'd the market know that ahead of time who knows chris but i i do uh think that this it is wedging higher and it looks like it could break higher to me so i'd like anyway. to be wedging higher I bet you would. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about the last setup, which is the Nikkei. And um, 34 long, lonely years for Japan. 1989. What, 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 what would you remember out of 1989, Blake? Uh, I was uh, enlisting in the military. And in 1990, uh, when the Nikkei hit all-time highs previously, I was, I think, in boot camp, uh, a Marine Corps, U.S. Marine Corps boot camp that point so oh, okay. that dates I, think, uh, me a little bit. I think david hasselhoff was preparing to sing at the uh, the berlin wall wasn't he <laughs> he probably was <laughs> anyway um but technically speaking i just want to point out that we have completed a bull flag pattern now when patterns technical patterns complete that doesn't mean anything other than if you're like in this case you're long you want to protect yourself move up your stops take some profits off the table. But just keep in mind, the whole market has been really looking towards a, a, a stronger Nikkei. And it's it's been a big recipient of what's happened in China, uh, I think. And because, um, how, you know, the BOJ just really not wanting to move on rates. But, you know, we had this conversation about the BOJ and maybe the market's starting to anticipate. Um, I'm not saying right now is the time you want to short the Nikkei. But we are just kind of meandering around those previous all-time highs that 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 comes up around that 39,000 level right around there 39,000 and change. What I'd be looking at look in the pane below and you'll see the RSI. Okay? That RSI can be very telling. It can tell you if there's going to be a continuation higher, which I still believe. I actually think the Nikkei is the place to be probably in the next several years. Uh I I'd, I'd choose to be in Japan over probably U.S. equities at this point. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to see pullbacks. And if if you do 
feel that the BOJ may move. You think that, and I, I know I'm just using up all this time right now, Chris. Sorry about okay. that. Got but it. just watch that RSI because if the RSI breaks down, I think that's going to signal that a pullback's coming. Sorry, didn't mean to take up all the time. But no, what no, are your I thoughts here on the knee? I don't think I can add too much more. I think you you you, you speak like a poet on charts. Um, uh, but yeah, I do. I I. I, I it's been a it's been a fantastic place to be, and a lot of that has been down to the weakness in the yen. But if you price the the markets in dollars, it's still working really well. Um, yeah, I mean it's been it's been a it's been a crowd pleaser. I mean the positioning's rich. That worries me. Um, it does look like it's topped out. I feel consolidation's the, the the path. It it doesn't feel like a hugely high probability trade to be short at the moment. Selling into these levels, I'm sure people will be doing it, but. Uh, you put me a gun to a head. Do I think we're going to see upside or downside? I actually see further down. I see heightened downside risks than upside risks at these levels for a number of reasons. Going into the Bank of Japan meeting, going into those wage negotiations, doesn't mean necessarily I'll be looking to put positioning on. If I did, it'd be very, very small size. To be honest, because you know the market is is yeah you're selling into a strong trend. So yeah, I wouldn't want to be fighting that upstream channel there. But uh, I do see greater downside risks emerging for that market. Doesn't mean we're going to see a you know, 20, 30%, I'm talking 5% or so. So would I be trading it? No, I'm not. Um, but yeah, I, I do see risk that's going to be happening. And, and if the tape starts to develop, then yeah, maybe I'll look into to get aggressive but for a short-term move there. But I think people will be flipping and, and, and going long again at some stage. So it's a great chart, but I do feel consolidation is, is the name of the game. Uh, and looking at those stops for sure. That's definitely what you should be doing in, in, in if, if holding those long positions there. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Okay, I'm actually going to be looking at the HK50. Um, if we are looking at volatility in equity markets, we've started to see it emerge once again in the Chinese equity market. The market had an 18% rally off those lows. It it felt very fickle indeed. I mean, we, we, we'd seen some signs of better data coming through. We'd obviously seen authorities in China going after quant funds and any kind of any kind of funds who were looking at shorts. Um, and, and maybe that caused a little bit of a move over on an artificial move. But yeah, we'd look like we've, we've hit those targets now. We've hit those highs. Um, we saw a reversal playing through. I want to leave sell stop orders below the, the, the daily candle here. Um, very, very small size. But when we see the uptrend breaking, um, then I want to add to that trade. And I think we'd probably revisit um, lower levels. I know the authorities will be going after, um, they're not going to be going after me, but they're, you know, they, they, they want to see the market higher, especially going into the MPC meeting on the on the 5th. So that's why I've said this is swimming upstream to an extent because yeah, they want a higher stock market to increase confidence. But the market seems to be speaking out here. Um, and I feel like the market is saying that we've, we're done. We've had the we've had the 18 percent sort of relief rally playing through. And now it's time to start seeing markets rolling over again. Um, so I like short positions here. Yeah, you've got a, a stop loss just above those highs, which I've, I've got the orange um, horizontal level. I can't exactly look at the number off the top of my head now. Um, small size here. If we break through that, that that rising trend, I'll be looking to add and, and have a and have a better position size there. But uh, I think um, I think we've had the relief rally here. I think the market's saying it's not good enough. And uh, yeah, I think they'd be happy to sell into it now. All right. Well, Chris, I I, th- I think you're um, I think you're right in saying that the the Chinese bounces have been very shallow. I like to call it shallow, and that's usually not a good thing for bulls in this case. So anyway, great chart. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to turn your attention to the Euro Swiss. This is my play of the day. 
Now, if you don't recall, back at the end of the year, I was really, really bullish. Um, uh, well, let me take it this way. I, I thought that the Swiss strength was a little overdone and we were looking for some reversals. I'd been long Euro Swiss basically since the beginning of this year and I've been playing it to the long side. I actually just took half my position off when we were at the 200 DMA yesterday because we we spent two days at the at the 200 DMA. However, I do think a big breakout's coming. So I am looking to buy dips and reestablish my long position at full uh, down around the 94.80 level. If I can see that over the course of the next couple of days, this uh, from, you know, you, you may notice that Gartley's do evolve into butterflies. So I'm looking for a much bigger move up and towards parity uh, towards the end of this year uh, into, two, you know, into the rest of 2024. And it's all going to kick off, as, uh, as, as Westy put, on the 4th of March, Swiss CPI, weak CPI data. That might put at risk that um, the Euro Swiss breaks that channel resistance that sits right at the 200 DMA. So really, a, a break above uh, 95.70 is hugely bullish. So, Chris, yeah. that is my play of the day. Yeah, I like it. And, um, you know, I know it's just a bit of jest. You've you, you, you got to try and find, find ways to make money out of this idea about who's going to be the central bank that leads us off. And, you know, it's usually the Federal Reserve who sort of take us and, and start the rate-cutting cycle. But I think the Fed are probably more towards, towards June at the moment. <coughs> but could it be that we see the Swiss National Bank opening their door and I think the Swiss National Bank would want to go before the ECB the Swiss have been using their currencies uh, you know, reserves to effectively try and um, push back on the on on the prior strength in the currency so it's pretty clear that they want to they would like to see um, a higher euro Swiss I mean the, I think the Swiss National Bank would love to see that um, and maybe they go off before the ECB just to try and preempt a rate cutting cycle in the ECB. So, yeah, I think that weak CPI number would would be opening the door. And in this idea about who's going to lead us off, it it could well be semantically the Swiss central bank who, who take us there. But I think that CPI number is going to be very important, and that would get you your trade. So, definitely a cross that we need to keep on the radar, um, and a big catalyst there to come. Anyway, thank you, Mr. Mr. Morrow. Thank you for your time and your insights as always. And for everyone for watching, we really appreciate it. Leave a comment below. We'll try and get to those when we can. Smash the like button and subscribe to the channel. And it really helps everyone else find the show, which is great for us as well. So thank you all. See you next week.